There is nothing like being in the presence of the Lord. Amen. How many people know in heaven we're going to be worshiping God a lot? Amen. And, and I don't know if you're like me. And um, that's why I love like the, the Haitian woman, because when you go through something, you find some peace and some comfort in the presence of God. And nothing ushers you into the presence of God like worship. Amen. Back um, a few decades ago, there was a young girl. She was um, she received Christ when she was in high school. All American athlete. She was, uh, you know, had everything going for her. She received Christ, but she felt in her, you know, as a young as a teen that you know she wasn't strong in her faith. So she was about to graduate high school, and she felt, you know what, God, I am not ready to go to college like this. I'm not, I know college can get crazy. I am not strong enough in my faith to go to college, so help me get stronger. So that summer after she graduated, before she went to college, her and her, her, her sisters and friends, they went to swim at a lake. And while they're swimming at the lake, uh, you know, and um, having fun, she decides to take a dive. So she takes a dive from the cliff, but at that particular section of the lake, it was shallow water. So, and she thought it was deep water. So she dove and she, bang, she hit her head and severed her spine. And she was floating on water, not able to move, not able to do anything, and running out of time, right? If nobody sees her, she's going to drown. Um, so she's floating, and her sister has her back on her, so she's not seeing what's happening over here. But thankfully, she turned around and saw her, pulled her out the water, hospital, um, the whole nine yard, and turns out the doctors told her, you're alive, but you're not going to be able to walk again. You're going to be a quadriplegic. So for the rest of your life, you're going to be sitting down. And you won't even have the movement of your hands. And as she was on the bed, the hospital bed during that summer, you can imagine how angry she was, how depressed she got. Says, God, I asked you to help me get stronger. You didn't have to take that literally, you know, quadriplegic. Like she was mad at God. She couldn't understand why God would allow that to happen to her. But eventually she had to accept reality that she was not going to walk again. And so she decided to make the most out of that situation. And she ended up fast forwarding to the end, creating a ministry. Her name is Johnny Erickson Tata. And she ended up doing a ministry called Johnny and Friends. And what they do is they bring, because now as a quadriplegic, she has a heart for the people who are disabled. So now her ministry helped the disabled all over the world. They send um, wheel, wheelchairs to disabled people in Africa, Asia, all over the world. She's been on national TV, CNN, Fox News, um, and her message has resonated throughout the decades that followed. So if you would ask her now, would you take it back? Would you want to be able to avoid that accident? She would say no. But if you go back in time and ask her, do you want to be quadriplegic? Obviously, she would say no. But the accident that she went through ended up being for the glory of God. 
And we are in a series called Persuasive Signs, uh, where we go through the signs in the book of John, seven miracles that John chose so that we could understand that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, and by believing in him, believing in his name, we might have life. So the miracle that we're going to look at today is a similar story of a blind man that was blind for birth, from birth. So please open your Bibles with me in John chapter 9, and we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 11. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciple asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told them, wash it, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had for, formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the man, the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he is only, he only looks like him, but he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open? They asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed and then I could see. Father God, please bless this portion of your word and, um, may it change our lives. In Jesus name of I pray. Amen. So here we have a situation of a man that is born blind, and the disciples are asking Jesus a question that is very hard to understand. It says, who sinned, him or his parents? So I don't know why you would ask if he sinned because he was a baby. I don't know how you would sin to be able to get blind at that stage. Um, but that's beside the point. How many people know some, when something bad happens to you, there's always somebody around to, to try to blame you for what's happening to you, right? Um, we are going through something and rather than to have compassion on you, they start asking questions, right? And the disciples are not different. Rather than to try to help the man, they were asking Jesus a, I guess a theological question. Who sinned? Him or his parents? And that goes to the belief that Good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. But how many people know that it could be the reverse? Sometimes good things happen to bad people. Not going to name any names. But sometimes bad things, what we consider bad, happen to also good people. And this is a situation where the man could not see. The man was blind, but you notice the passage says Jesus saw him. Jesus saw him. And, and I like when I read the Bible to see some contrast, some paradox. You have a blind man. He cannot see and he cannot help himself. And what we get from the text is that he doesn't even know who Jesus is. He doesn't even realize 
who in whose presence he is. You know, in other passages, you have blind people that heard about Jesus. And when Jesus comes, they know who he is and they scream uh, like Bart, um, Bartimaeus. He says, Jesus, son of David, help me. And Jesus would then turn around and help him. But this man doesn't even know. He doesn't even know who's right there. He doesn't even know that his life is about to change. In a matter of minutes, his life is about to be twisted around by the presence of Christ. And I feel that that's the the reality of some people. So let's say you come to church and you come and you worship. You don't realize whose presence you're in and understanding that if you get into the presence of God, your life can change in the matter of minutes. Because where you think that nobody is seeing you, Jesus Christ is seeing you. When you find yourself in the corner, in the dark corner, and nobody understands what you're going through, nobody is saying what you're going through, everybody's going about their life, everybody's busy, and and you're like, can anybody hear me? Can anybody feel me? Can anybody understand what I'm going through? And you feel nobody's understanding what you're going through. I'm here to tell you, Jesus sees you, and Jesus understands what you're going through. And so... He saw the man that was blind from birth that nobody was able to see. And automatically, the disciples are blaming him or trying to find somebody to blame. They try to blame him. They try to blame the parents. And and, and sometimes the worst judge that we have for the things that are happening to us is ourselves. Right? Because it's one thing when other people blame us, but it's also... We have to be careful when you blame yourself. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't do. We do stuff wrong all the time. But if you let guilt weigh heavy on you, then that guilt can be paralyzing. That guilt can paralyze you where you don't believe that you deserve God's blessing. But I have news for you. Nobody deserves God's blessing. That's why it's called grace. Grace is a gift that is given to somebody that don't deserve it. And none of us ever deserved it. I don't deserve to be before you today. If I'm here, it's because of the grace of God. And so Jesus proceeds and does a miracle. Um, sometimes it's hard to understand why Jesus does what he does. He goes and he spits and he takes the spit and makes mud and, and puts it on the eye of the man and sends him into uh, it says the, the pool that's called Siloam. And, and that's kind of weird. And that reminds us of this Old Testament story of Naaman, right? Where Naaman had leprosy, couldn't be in public. And the prophet told him, go there and, um, and dip seven times. And he's like, no, I got better rivers in my country. I don't need to do this. And then the voice of a little girl told him, well, if he would have asked something hard of you, would you have done it? He said, yeah. And then he went and dipped seven times and he got healed. Here the blind man obeys Jesus that he doesn't know yet, but he's so desperate that he's willing to do anything. And he goes and he gets healed by obeying Jesus' voice. Some of us are stuck in our situation because we don't understand that the deliverance is on the other side of obedience. 
We have some people that God has told you to do something. God has called you to do something, but you're like, oh, I can't do it because of this. I can't do this because of that. And you have all the reasons in the world for why you're not listening to God, not understanding that all of that that's holding you back, all of that is going to fall if you obey the voice of God because Jesus is on the throne. So he can make any barriers fall and your deliverance is on the other side of obedience. And this man became, he was obedient, and because of his obedience, Jesus healed him. If he would have said, well, no, I ain't going, I don't know you. I don't know, like a lot of young people now, right? I don't know you. Why should I listen to you? He would still be blind. But because he listened to the voice of Jesus, he was healed. So my challenge to all of us is listen to the voice of Christ. And what Christ is asking of me might not be what he's asking of you, but you're always safer in the hands of Christ. And, and it's funny because he used, he used um, spit. Now, spit is not a nice thing, right? If I go to the doctors, I don't want the doctor to spit on me. I'm like, I keep your COVID, amen. Don't put your COVID on me. But Jesus spit, put mud that's also not a good thing. That's also not like, who goes and wash your hands in mud? Now, okay, I know some of y'all fancy. You like that mud therapy? You know, like they have in the spa or whatever. But understand this, the crumbs of God are more powerful than any medicine of men. The little things, like, like, like the lady, she was, she was, um, the Canaanite lady, she wanted healing and she went to Jesus. She wanted healing for her daughter and she begged Jesus for healing. And Jesus is testing her and he's saying, well, I came for the children of Israel, so I didn't come for you. And, and, and she said, yes, but even the dogs at the table can eat the crumbs that fall off the table. And Jesus turned around and says, I haven't seen faith like this in Israel. Because she was willing, only the crumbs of God was better than anything this world has to offer. And I need you to understand this, that the crumbs of God, whatever little things that you would get in the presence of God, is better than any Beverly Hills mansion. It's better than any house in Boca. It's better than any house in Parkland. Because in the presence of God, you have peace, love, and joy. And it's a... Jesus answers the disciples and says, this blindness is for the works of God to be fulfilled. It's for the works of God to be accomplished. Now, if you are the man, you would ask yourself, how is my illness, how is my situation for the glory of God? And, and I'm going to take you to Matthew 11, Matthew 11, chapter, from verse 2 to verse 6. John the Baptist, which is, according to Jesus, the greatest man who ever lived. Because Jesus said, of this man, no greater man has ever been born of a woman than John the Baptist. But John the Baptist got arrested one time, and he had a crisis of faith. So if you read with me, Matthew 11, verse 2 to verse 6, it says, When John was in prison heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciple to ask him, are, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? 
Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So John being in prison is like, I don't understand what's going on. I saw the Holy Spirit fall on Jesus. I know that Jesus is supposed to be the Messiah, but why am I going through this? Why am I in jail when I thought you were came to deliver us, right? And then Jesus says, tell, tell him this, the blind see, the deaf ear, the lepers are cleansed. We're like, okay, but why would Jesus tell him that? It's because Jesus is referencing the promise of the Old Testament that announced what the Messiah would do, right? So John is having a crisis of faith. He doesn't know if Jesus is really the Messiah. I'm having my doubts. And so Jesus says, look, the signs that you see are the signs that were prophesied in the past. For example, in Isaiah chapter 35, verse 4, verse 4 to 5, he says, Say to those who are in fearful who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with wreck, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. And then verse five, the eyes, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. And then it goes on with the other signs. The Messiah healing the blind was a promise of God. That moment in time where Jesus met that man was orchestrated by God hundreds of years before it occurred. Actually, thousands of years before it occurred. Understand this, that our God is a God of details. Every detail of your life is planned by God. Everything that you're going through is planned by God. There's nothing that happens in your life that is taken by surprise. The only person that's taken by surprise might be you. And the only thing that you have to determine about the events that happen in your life is your outlook about those events. Is those outlooks about those events. In the case of Joni Erickson Tata, she had to change her outlook. And even though she couldn't walk, even though her, her arms wouldn't work, to see now how can God use me that I literally, she's only a, a, a head that talks. Like she can't run, she can't jump, she can't move anything. But she had to say, how can God use me to do his glory? And she became available to him. And because she was available to him, now the lives of thousands and thousands of people across the world are changed because of her ministry. So the outlook about the, 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 the only thing that you can do about situation in your life is your outlook and ask yourself, God, how are you going to be glorified? In my life. When you go through a challenging time. And I know you want to say why me? Why me God? Why did you me? And that's the right question. But the wrong attitude. That's the right question. But the wrong attitude. You say why me? In the sense that it shouldn't have happened to me. Anybody you ever felt that way? Okay let me ask you. Think about the bad thing that happened in your life. If it's not happening to you, who would you suggest? Who would you say, who would say, God, you know what this? Don't send it to me. Send me to send it to her. Guess what? They don't want it either. 
So the only thing that is in your control at that point is your attitude. And ask yourself and ask God, okay, God, I'm going through this. Why are you allowing me to go through this? How can I glorify you in this storm? How can I praise you in this storm? How can I, how, I know you're going to see me through the storm because every day of my life has been ordered by you. There's that Fred Ammon song I, I, I like. It says, your steps are ordered. They're ordered by God. So now, God, how do you want me to glorify you in this situation? Because people are watching you. And this blind man spent his life. And I don't know if you ever did that. You ever try to walk in your house at night? I, I can walk in my house at night because I know where everything is. Right? So I can know that this is the light or this is, I can do it. I can walk in this church at night, actually. Like, I, no, I can walk at night and, uh, and there's a step. Not even watching. I can't. I can go back. But if somebody puts something out of sight, out of place, right? And you're walking in the dark and then you hit that chair, it hurts. But if you try to go out and you try to walk at night in the blinded, guess what? It's going to be hard. Imagine you live all your life. That man lived all his life not being able to see. And that happened so that Christ could be glorified. And Christ got glorified by that miracle because we talk about it centuries after the fact. There is a purpose for your pain. Whatever you're going through, there's a purpose for your pain. So the, young, the, the, the man is healed. And when you're healed, the news makes it to the leaders, the Pharisees. Right? And so... The first part of the passage is the healing of the blind. That's the passage, the part portion that we read. But then you have the persistence of the blind where the Pharisees now, they hear about the miracle. They hear what happened and now they start summoning, they summon the man and they start asking him questions and they're not feeling it. They're not, uh, they, they don't, they don't like what they're seeing. Now, can you imagine you ever been into a trouble and, and, and you're going through a hard time and your deliverance come? And the people that are supposed to be happy for you are mad about it. Or the people that are supposed to support you, I don't know, maybe they're jealous, like, like, you're here, or you find the man of your life or whatever, and then your girlfriend, she's not happy because she's still single. Amen? Not amen? Alright. Well, we have a situation where the blind man is healed, the Pharisees, now, they're, they're not feeling it. And they're asking him questions, they're asking him, and then if we jump to verse 17, they said, then they turned against, again to the blind men. What have you to say about him? Talking about Jesus. It was your eyes he opened. Then the man replied, he is a prophet. Which shows that even though Jesus healed him, he still had a limited understanding of who Jesus was because he called Jesus a prophet, which is true, but Jesus is far more than a prophet. And we can come to church and you can have some of the blessings that come with coming to church and blessing. But how deep your your understanding of who Jesus is, how how strong is your faith in Christ? Right. And that's a process. And he at this stage, he says, well, I think he's a prophet. So it shows a limited understanding. And now if we jump to verse 20. They call the guy's parents. Right. And, and they start arguing with the with the parents. And he says, and they asked him the same question, saying, well, is that really your son? 
Is that really him? You know, when Jesus touches your life, he can change your life so much that your homeboys don't recognize you no more. You know, if you're hanging with your homeboys and you're doing whatever y'all doing, coming to Jesus can change your life so much, nobody recognizes you anymore. And they say the answer to the Pharisees, we know he is our son, their parents answered, and we know he was born blind, but how can he see now who opened his eyes? We don't know. Ask him, he is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said, be, said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That's why his parents said he is of age. Ask him. Times repeats themselves. In that time, the, the, the leaders decided, if you say that Jesus is the Messiah, you're out. We're going to kick you out the, the synagogue, which was important for them to be part of the synagogue. How many people see this is like today? This is like today, where if you acknowledge Jesus, not only as a, a tattoo, right? Not only as a badge, but you really live your life according to the word of God. And if you stand on the word of God, what happens to you? You're canceled, right? If you, if you, if you see, like there is an actor, Chris Pratt, right? He plays in those Marvel movies. Now they're getting on his case because he's a Christian, right? And now they're getting on his case because, well, your church believes this, your church believes that. And he's like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I ain't that Christian. Now, if he wants to keep his career, now he's having to do that dance. And that's the same time. We are living in a time right now where the blind want to stay blind, right? The, the man has been healed. And rather for the Pharisees to say, wow, something happened. Let us understand it. Oh, God may be doing something different. No, they stay strong in their persistence against Christ. And there are some people, your parents have been bringing you to church since you're young, but you decide in your heart, I don't want to follow Christ. You decide in your heart, I want to stay and do my ways. Now you come in the church, but that doesn't mean that Christ comes inside you. Right, So you come in the church because that's going to shut my parent up. My mom, my dad, they're not going to get on my case. But does that mean that the Holy Spirit of God has come inside your heart? Does that mean that Jesus lives inside of you and Jesus lives through you? Meaning if I don't know you, but I see how you behave, I can see that Jesus is in that man's life. I can see that Jesus is in that woman's life because he lives there. Can I see that? The biggest compliment that somebody can do to you as a Christian is somebody that barely knows you and asks, are you a Christian? And you say, yeah, why would you say that? Or just how you live. So we live in a time where, I don't know if you, if you follow what's out there, we live in a time where we're in trouble. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, it says, because they have not recognized God, right? So instead of recognizing God, they recognize the creatures of God, right? The birds, or the, uh, the horses, or whatever the case is. Because they have not recognized God, 
It says God has delivered them to their own passion, to their own, to their own devices, to their own lusts. If you look at where our society is today, we should all pray. We should be on our knees praying, 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 praying. Number one, because you know, when you point the finger at someone that's three pointed at you, you're not better than anybody else. If you're here and you're living a sanctified life, it's because Jesus chose you. It's not because you're any better than nobody else. And you pray because Jesus tells us to look for the good of our society, to look for the good of our country. And when a country, when a world goes against God, eventually the bill comes due. Eventually there is a price to pay. And so we have to pray. We have to pray, say, God, open the eyes of our, of our neighbors. Open the eyes of our colleagues. Open the eyes of, and pray not about them, but pray for them. Pray for their well-being. Pray for that God to meet them. There's no better well-being than to know Jesus Christ. Can you tell me anything better than Christ? There's nothing better than Jesus Christ. So the greater well-being of your neighbor is for them to know Jesus. To them to know him. You see the. They. Persisted in their blindness. And that persistence. Went all the way. To the cross. Where they had Jesus crucified. And that was. Year 33 ish. AD. Year 70 AD. Israel is destroyed. Israel is destroyed. We look at Babylon in the Old Testament. They were living large and then one day they had a vision. They called Daniel and said, we don't understand the vision. And pretty much Daniel came and said, uh, vision means uh, you guys ways, you got counted, you, you're too light. Basically it's done. God is done with you. And guess what? In one day, Babylon, the great empire fell. Now, if we look what's happening for our country, we have to pray. We have to pray for the well-being of the country. We have to pray for repentance for the country. Because if the country does not repent, with all the military might that we have, we're going to fall. And I live in America. I don't want it to fall. I like it here. You know what I mean? I like it without the bombs. I like it with... With, with the palm trees and, and the sunshine and all the goodness that we have in this country. I like to be able to be here at church and, and no armies is coming through the door and try to stop us from worshiping God. I, I, I like the fact that I can, you know, I, I can go to work and, and, and get, gain a living for, for, for my, for my family. And so we want to pray for, for this country. We want to pray for its well-being. But there's no well-being apart from Christ. There's no well-being apart from Christ. So pray for this country. Don't judge other people. Rather pray for them. Because we're not different. We're not better. We're not, we're saved by grace. We're saved by grace. So the first portion was the healing of the blind. This one is the persistence of the blind. But we pray so God can open their eyes. And then we have the seeing of the blind. If we jump to with me at the end of that passage, verse 35, 38. 
So the man is arguing and with the Pharisees and the parents, and they kicked him out. They kicked him out. He said, we don't want you. In the place of worship where you're supposed to receive everyone, they say, you, you're not welcome. So they kicked him out of the synagogue. So verse 35 says, Jesus heard that they, thro- they had thrown him out. And when he found him, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked, tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. The man got healed by Christ. So he had the benefit of Jesus' presence, but he did not have Jesus yet. We, and and I, I feel like this country, because of how it was built, and a lot of the founding fathers were men of faith, and, and, and th- there's a strong Christian history, that we are benefiting some of the blessings that come with Christ, but a lot of us don't necessarily know him for who he is. So a lot of us, maybe you come to church and you enjoy the fellowship of church, but do you know Christ for who he is? Maybe you have the blessing because your parents are are Christian and that blessing flows, but do you know him for who he is? We, We often say Jesus, God has children, but he has no grandchildren, right? So he has children, but eventually the God of your parents has to become your God. If you count on your parents' salvation... They're going to be okay, but you're not going to be okay. Eventually, the God of the pulpit has to become the God of the pews. The God of Dave has to become your God, where if everybody else says, you know what, we're done with Christ, you say, no, me, I'm going to stand with Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. And I came to a point, I grew up in church like everybody else, but I came to a point where I said, you know what, God is my God. Not my dad's God, not my mom's God, my God. So if my mom comes and says, oh, Dave, you know what? We don't really believe in Christ. We just did that so you would have good values. I'll be, I'm sorry, mom, I'm going to pray for you because I met Jesus. I met Jesus. It's not a religion. It's not a habit. It's a person. And I met Jesus and I'm going to serve him all my life. And that has to be your decision. That has to be your choice. And that man in the scripture, when he find, now his eyes, physical eyes was open, but when he had that conversation with Jesus, his spiritual eyes were open. I mean, the guys, Jesus standing right in front of him and said, do you want to, do you, do you believe in the son of man? He said, well, who is he? I mean, he's standing right here, but he didn't know him. For some of us, Jesus is right here, right now. And then Jesus told him, well, I'm the one. Who is speaking to you? He says, and yes, then Lord, I believe. I believe. And he worshipped him. And he worshipped him. You know what the problem is sometimes? Is we want Jesus as Savior. So the first part of the passage, Jesus healed him. So we want the blessing. 
But Jesus is not only your Savior, he wants to be your Lord. Lord is the one that has full dominion. Lord is the one that if he says go left, you go left. If he says go right, you go right. And the man says, yes, I receive you as my Lord. Whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do. And he worshipped him. To worship is to bow down. To worship is to submit. To worship is to obey. Worship is not only singing. Worship speaks of the heart. To have a heart that is humble. To have a heart that is dedicated to God. So my challenge and my invitation for you as we close is to have that heart where I seek God, where I seek Jesus, and I humble, humble myself. Say, Jesus, you know what? I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. I'm going to dedicate my life. Whatever you want to do with my life, I'm here for you. And that's my prayer for myself, and that's my prayer for you this afternoon. God bless you.